0: Hi, welcome to the Fox Family Law Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Hayes, partner in the Fox Dallas office, and we are starting a series of eight podcasts where we will have guests and my associates, Jamie Lee Denton and Aaron Garza, will appear um, to host a few of the podcasts as well as our in or of council Bud Murphy from our Fox, New Jersey office. So welcome to our podcast series as we explain various issues of the process of divorce and across multiple states, but and just things to know and things to prepare for during and as part of a divorce. So today's podcast series will include my guest, Judy Barton, a senior client strategist with BNY Mellon, who will assist me today with talking about Uh, documents and things to get together prior to filing divorce or if you're contemplating a divorce. How are you doing today, Judy? Good morning, Laura. Thank you so much for inviting me to your first podcast.
1: Before we uh, jump in, I want to say that I think what you're doing in terms of laying out the framework and the chronology and what somebody can expect as they're contemplating divorce is really powerful. Having gone through divorce myself many years ago, I wish I had had your series to listen to in advance so that I would have been more prepared. I think that data is power, and you'll hear me say that throughout our conversation. And this is data. This is information that I wish I would have had. So, kudos to you for providing this for your clients.
0: Great. And thank you joining us today, Judy. I think that uh, your input into this process will be very helpful. And as we'll explain um, to our audience, we'll talk about how your services can help a lawyer like me um, guide a client through the process of divorce um, from a financial perspective. So I think we can jump right into our first topic. Oh, about um, uh, our first topic. But before we get there, why don't we explain who you are, what you do, and what your role is as far as the divorce process could go.
1: Sure, I think that's a great place to start. So my practice is part of BNY Mellon Wealth Management where I focus a significant amount of my time working with family law attorneys like you uh, well in advance of the process being finalized. So I am able to look at all sorts of financial data have conversations, give valuable input to both you and your client that help during the process. And so I participate um, very early as you start working with your client.
0: Great. Thanks for that. And you and I have worked together on several cases, and I find your services very helpful. And it, uh, my clients have, too. And so I look forward to explaining to our audience how we can work together um, and guide people through this process it's a lot of information and sometimes a little scary when you, when people are thinking about a divorce or not really, or being surprised by being served with a divorce and not really knowing what steps to take. It is, it can be
1: very scary. And that's why I think you walking through, especially today's talk, I think people get very, very concerned and sometimes have paralysis when they're so unsure of their financial situation. And so I think the, the things that you have your clients do and, and the resources that you bring to them, such as myself, really help take some of the fear away from, do, you know, what path do I need to go down and how can I manage this financially?
0: Right. So the first thing I want to talk about is if there's someone contemplating divorce or they've recently been served with divorce papers what types of financial documents should that individual start to gather and put together right at the beginning of the stages of the divorce process i think that's a great question and
1: i would suggest that even if you're happily married if you're single and if you're contemplating divorce or you've been served with papers i think it's really important to gather all of these documents no matter what so if you don't know where they are start to put your hands on them. And I would start with tax returns. So if you and your spouse have filed jointly or even if you've filed married separately, make sure you have at least two years of tax returns that you can access. If you've signed them or you've given your approval to have them filed on your behalf with your CPA, you absolutely have access to them. So you should always have those in your possession at all times. No matter if you're contemplating divorce or not. I think another set of documents that's important to gather if you're thinking about divorce is any type of account statements. And so by account statements, I mean your checking account statements, your savings account statements, any investment account statements you might have, credit card statements, retirement plan statements. So any of those for you and your spouse, because what you're what you're trying to do is help yourself and your attorney figure out what the entire marital estate looks like. And the more debt you have, the easier it is to get your arms around the, the full financial picture.
0: Right, absolutely. And just one thing I wanna point out is that uh, you and I have come across this where one spouse uh, has primarily handled the financial side of the marriage um, and, and the other spouse has no idea where these documents might be. So first, I want to reassure our audience that if you don't know where these documents are, don't know how to get them, that's okay. We can guide you through that, or you can get them as part of the actual divorce process. Um, but some of these documents can, you know, be easily gathered. People keep them in their homes, or um, they can be gathered online. For example, tax returns. If you don't have them we can assist with how you can get at least the transcripts from the IRS website. So this information might be overwhelming, and we're just pointing out what information you can try to have access to, but don't get alarmed if you can't get all of these statements. But these are just general ideas of the types of documents that are going to be necessary. I think that's a great point
1: not to stress out if you don't have these readily available. It's just to raise awareness that... As you come across them, as they come in the mail, as they come in email, uh, to start to gather them. I want to add a few of other documents that I think are really important. I hope, so this is this is one of my big hot spots with clients. I hope that everybody, if you're married, especially if you have children, that you have some kind of will, some kind of trust in a state document. And I, I know a lot of people say, Oh, well, I don't have any trust. So when I say trust in estate documents, What I mean is your wills, your powers of attorney for your financial decisions, as well as your medical decisions. And uh, if you don't have those and you are married, then it's obviously important to have those in case something happens to you so that your children are uh, taken care of. But if you and your spouse have done type of wills or powers of attorney, having a copy of those at hand is really important for Laura to see to be able to help you. In addition, any type of property that you and your spouse own, either separately or together. And that could include any rental properties, your current residence, um, any type of um, uh, leisure vehicle or boat or anything like that. So gathering how those are titled is really important. And so that leads me to uh, a question that I always have for you, Laura, which is, If somebody does have a will and they do have their spouse named or their power of attorney to make financial and medical decisions, should they not be able to, if they're incapacitated for some reason, what do you advise your clients from a legal perspective to do those powers if they're contemplating or they're in the midst of a divorce? I'm always curious.
0: Sure, and that's really a case-by-case case, um, analysis. Some people still, even though know, they are getting divorced, do continue to trust their spouse, and it's just an amicable process, so they don't want to change those things uh, during the pendency of the divorce. Others, where it's very high conflict or if there's potentially domestic violence, they may want to consider changing that just in case, you know, worst-case scenario happens. So it really is a case-by-case case analysis, but that leads to our point of you need to get these documents together So that that can be decided early on, especially if, if changing your powers of attorney is something that needs to be done early on, just in case of worst case scenario, so. Thank you. I think that's very helpful for me to know and
1: and for clients. Absolutely.
0: So once, you know, we've gathered all of these documents, or at least started to work on gathering them, um, that helps me from a family law attorney perspective, figure out what's in the estate and what kind of division of property would look like. But. Another thing that we want to talk about uh, today is what other things should, you know, someone contemplating divorce or even just getting this information together, think about just on a monthly basis? A lot of people have, don't really know how much they spend or how much is needed on a monthly basis. Do you want to talk about that from your perspective? I think that's a great
1: point to make sure that people start thinking about their financial health and their financial picture or path during divorce and after divorce. Um, I think nobody likes the word budget, so I'm not going to say the word budget. It's like using the word diet. No one likes diet, so we're not going to say diet or budget. Uh, But I think looking at your cash flow needs on a monthly basis is really important. And you can easily do that by looking at your checking account, look what The required monthly expectations for you to pay are whether that be your mortgage or rent, your utilities, a car payment, health insurance. Those things are the things that you have to have that you are required to pay for on a monthly basis to maintain your life. The, The next part of that is what I call maintaining your lifestyle. So the things that you don't necessarily have to have the things that you want to have. So uh, examples of that would be your gym membership, your self-care, working with a trainer, getting your hair and nails done, those types of things, going out to eat, entertainment, the movies, when we can go to the movies. Um, so those are the things that's a little bit different between the things that you're required to pay and then the things that you'd like to have. And so... What you and I have found working together with clients is that when we can help clients get their arms around what their monthly expectations are from a financial perspective, I think that helps, again, alleviate clients' fear and apprehension. And really the question that everybody wants to know is, am I going to be okay? I think once you identify all those expenses, it helps you really feel more in control.
0: Right. I absolutely agree. And you and I have experienced this in a couple cases. And the earlier we get this information together, the easier it is to help our clients adjust to what life will look like post-divorce. Obviously, we don't have the full picture until we get the final division of property, but we can start to analyze what the monthly expenses are and whether that's going to be something that's reasonable post-divorce or if maybe we need to adjust some of that spending or get used to adjusting that spending or paying attention to it more. And I think the earlier that we start to work with clients on that monthly or the big expected expenses like tuition reimbursement or tuition payments or something like that, the easier the process becomes. I mean, obviously, it's a highly emotional process, regardless of whether you know our client's the one that wants the divorce. But alleviating some of these fears early on in the process, I think will help make it go a little bit smoother.
1: I agree with you, and I think that there's uh, a few other expenses that people don't want to forget, and those are the annual expenses. So things like your property taxes, um, insurance for your properties, property and liability insurance, you already mentioned tuition. So there can be some annual expenses, so people really need to step back and think about what Do I pay for on a monthly basis and on an annual basis to get a full picture of what their needs are going to be post divorce
0: Absolutely. I think filling this information early on can be very eye-opening to some of our clients. Um, And it's it's not a fun process to put together what your monthly expenses are, but it's definitely a necessary process as part of a divorce. It is, and as I said, I think it
1: gives people it alleviates that fear and that apprehension. And they might they might not like the number at the bottom of the page when they add it all up, but at least they know. And I think if you know, knowing is power, and data is power.
0: Absolutely. And what would you say, Judy, if you had a spouse who has a has never done this kind of thing before? They're not used to handling the monthly expenses or worrying about what bills need to be paid because it's always been done by the other spouse. How would you, would you be able to assist a client in that scenario with figuring out how to even get this list of monthly expenses? Yes. So you want to work with
1: uh, a wealth advisor as early in the process as possible, especially if you haven't been able um, to, if you haven't had access to paying those bills or have, haven't been financially responsible for the person identified in your marriage as as hands-on with all the finances. And yes, I absolutely will work with a client to gather those expenses, to put them into some kind of format that makes sense. But I think really in the overall process, and you and I, I think, agree on this and have worked together in many instances, it's really important in the divorce process to get somebody who is financially savvy involved with you very, very early on. So not just coming up with what your monthly and annual spending is, but also helping the family law attorney sift through what the marital estate looks like and what the assets are comprised of. And, and I'll go back the layer of the onion even a couple more levels. It's important to look at what the spouses own together, what risk is associated with what they own. If it's liquid or illiquid, what I mean by that is liquid asset can be easily converted to cash. Illiquid may be something um, more like a house or a property or a piece of land or a ranch or something like that. So if it's liquid or illiquid, um, you also want to consider if the assets generate income. So when you're looking at, well, you know, where am I going to, how am I going to pay for all of my expenses? If you're dividing a marital estate, you want to consider, does any of that marital estate generate income for me? And you also want to look at, when you're dividing assets, the tax implication to one or both of the um, spouses. And that's important because some spouses may be, and we've seen this with clients, some spouses may be more able to take on that tax consequence that tax liability than other spouses, right? There's also other assets that may not align with one spouse or the other. There can be assets such as private equity that may not necessarily be the right asset for both spouses to divide, but may be better for one spouse to have or the other. And then making it equal when you get down to the bottom of dividing the marital estate. So to answer your question, a, a longer answer, but yes, I can help pull together what the spending is, but also work with you and your client to look at the marital estate and help sift through what it is and what the different characteristics of the assets are that can truly impact one or both of the spouses.
0: Right, absolutely. And I think that one of the benefits you have provided for my clients is helping explain in layman terms what some of these assets are. You've been talking about private equity. I know what that means. You know what that means, but there's a lot of clients out there who don't know what that means. They just generally know, oh yes, my spouse has invested in private equity, but they don't truly understand what that means or other types of assets. So one of the benefits you can provide is explaining what those investment vehicles are or what actually the estate looks like other than, you know, the standard house, car, and retirement account. So if they have anything a little bit more complicated, you can help them explain, understand what those investment vehicles are, what's required of them. People may not understand that private equity might require capital calls or additional funding, those types of things. So I think explaining that early on is very helpful to my clients to make sure they understand not only the full picture of the estate, but what exactly the investments, the assets mean when they're not your standards. I think where, where you
1: and I team up well together is you're helping clients navigate through the legal language and you explain the legal process and the division of the estate and the custody and all of that with them, as you said, in layman's terms and digestible uh, information to them. And I agree with you that education and learning about what a client has, what they own, You know, it doesn't mean that you have to, a client has to become an investment professional, but it means that there has to be some uh, level of understanding and communication with your wealth advisor who can explain those things in layman's terms. If somebody's not explaining things in a way that isn't understandable, they're not doing their job. And so I've watched you, you've done a phenomenal job, very complex legal issues. And explaining them in a way that a client can make a decision. And I
0: say the same thing about you and how you've explained various investment tools for my clients to help them understand uh, what they mean and what the consequences of owning an asset like that would be post-divorce. Um, so we've talked a lot today about how you can help um, me in the divorce, my and my clients in the divorce process, and and we have very clearly, hopefully, explained that the earlier you're involved in the case, the better and the, it, the more smoothly the process will work. Can you recommend any other types of professionals that you think should be involved in the divorce process to help a client just really get the, their team of support throughout the process? I think the point that you,
1: that you raise is having a team around you when you're going through a divorce. And that to me is key. And really helps somebody navigate the divorce process for a much more successful outcome when they have the right team around them. So obviously you're leading the parade as the family law attorney. Um, I think clearly having a wealth advisor as part of that team, we've already talked about all the different ways that that can contribute to the successful outcome of a divorce. But I think a few other people that should be considered on the team are the following. One is an accountant or CPA, who represents your client only. So I know a lot of people use the same CPA when they were married, them and their spouse filed together and they both use the same CPA. But I highly recommend that as you're going through a divorce, you find, and Laura and I can help you do that. You find a CPA who you engage yourself, who only represents you and who while you engaging them? Has your best interest first and foremost. When you, when you tend to continue to work with the CPA that you and your spouse had, that can sometimes create uh, conflicts that really fall more into, le- into Laura's legal area. But it's always good to have someone who represents just your interests. So I think a CPA is a key component of the team. Also, I think having a new trust in a state attorney, and again, don't get confused by the word trust. We don't have any trust, but Having somebody that represents you for a new will as you're contemplating divorce or post-divorce and new powers of attorney. So helping guide you through the process of identifying who you want to make decisions on your behalf for medical and financial uh, decisions when you can't make them for yourself. So I think definitely an, an, an accountant and a trust and estate attorney. But I know you've recommended some additional people that should be part of the team. So I'm, I'm curious who you think is important.
0: Absolutely. The, the individual I always recommend is some kind of mental health professional, a therapist or a counselor. Some people don't like the term therapist, but I definitely think that even if my client is the one wanting a divorce, it's an emotional process regardless. And there's lots of things. And um, relying on friends and family is, One thing I like to advise my clients is to remember that those friends and family members may be called as witnesses at trial, and there's no protection of what you're telling, uh, you know, what the client is telling those friends and family members. So I always recommend an independent counselor, even if it's just a few sessions, to help process the emotions and some other things that may be going on in the divorce. So um, I think that's a necessary part of a good team to get my clients through a divorce.
1: And I think what you do really well is that you help that team stay coordinated as they're going through the divorce process. And if you build the right team around yourself, as somebody going through divorce, you then have that cohesive team around you and supporting you post-divorce. So that team is really important, not just for a successful outcome of your divorce, but also
0: success for your life post-divorce. Absolutely. And you done a great job with that for several of my clients. Um, so I appreciate that. So I think that, you know, we've done really well explaining what needs to be done to get started with the process or even start thinking about it. Um, I really appreciate your insight today, Judy. Um, I have one more question for you before we finish up. Um, just as a fun little way to end our series, I wanted to ask, do you have a favorite divorce movie or TV show? Well,
1: um, I like a happy ending, and even in divorce, you can have a happy ending, Um, but I do like Julia Roberts in Runaway Bride.
0: That's a great one. That's a really good movie, and and I agree. So yeah, I really like intolerable cruelty. That's a funny one, but that's from a divorce lawyer perspective, so my clients may not appreciate that one as much as they would appreciate Runaway Bride. Well, anyway, thank you so much for joining us today, Judy, and I appreciate your uh, comments and I hope to work with you again soon. Thank Thank you so much for
1: having me.